Welcome to the Fitness in Color podcast, where we follow and highlight the experiences of people of color in the wellness and fitness industry, telling their stories in their own words. I didn't know anything about cross country, and then there were no black people in cross country. There was already no, no black people in my high school, so we either played football, and then I, I played soccer, and people were like, you're playing soccer? Yeah, there was, I think it might have been like only me and one other Maybe there was a, another girl now that I'm thinking, but it was definitely not diverse as far as who was on the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much that plays into like, not your, like your subconscious, right? Yeah. Like you you look around, you don't see the support track and field, people of color. Yeah. Long distance so running. Sprinters were, you know, looked like me and the distance runners did not. On today's episode, we're talking to Shannon Spaulding, an occupational therapist from Brooklyn, New York. Shannon is a bright young mind who is passionate about combining her two worlds of fitness and occupational therapy, coining the term therapeutic fitness. We talk about her childhood in Connecticut and how she at first hated cross country in high school, but ended up running for four years at Lincoln University and HBCU in Pennsylvania. We chat about her journey to becoming an OT and how she is balancing being a fitness lover during COVID while all the gyms are closed. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thanks for joining me today. (laughs) Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Sunday was a good day. I didn't have to work today. So it was my day off and I appreciate that. Where are you? uh, Where are you based? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Nice. Um, I love Brooklyn. I Right, especially now, like I don't like to leave, not even going to Manhattan. I stay in Brooklyn. <laughs> there's yeah, so much to do here, like um, you know, there's Prospect Park, there's so many different food options. There's really no need to leave. Thanks for joining us. I, I uh the reason why I brought you on the show is because I found you on Instagram doing pull ups with a bike <laughs> between your legs on yes. on the street light, a street post. <laughs> I was like, this is dope. So I was uh, I started following and just watching the work that you're doing, and I thought it was super interesting. You call yourself the fit therapist, so I want to dive into that a bit. I guess to start, tell us uh, what you do for work, what you do kind of in the fitness space. So yeah, you saw me doing the the pull ups, right? Especially when the um, when the pandemic started, I had to find a way to get really creative with my workouts because I used to spend a lot of time in the gym. I was in the gym almost every day prior to COVID. I taught a group fitness class at a gym here in Brooklyn, New York called Chelsea Pierce Fitness. I was always, my favorite exercise to do was pull-ups because for me, that was an exercise that's like, it's body weight. And also like, if you don't stay consistent with the pull-ups, then like you regress quickly. So it kind of kept me accountable. And so that's what I would use to stay um, accountable to myself and my fitness goals and journey. I'm a personal trainer and that's kind of like my side hustle. Um, but it's something that I've been doing for a long time. But full time, I'm also a occupational therapist. So I work with people who have disabilities or injuries that prevent them from functioning functioning daily in their everyday tasks. So when injury interferes with um, function, that's when occupational therapy steps in. And that's what I do for my main job. And then fitness is something that is my passion and also like something that I stay consistent with on the side. The fit therapist was born because I wanted fitness 
to still be relevant in my life. So I, I graduated from school last year. One thing that they, they were giving us like advice on how to build our resume. And they were like, oh, you need to delete all this off. And everything I had prior to that was fitness related. They said it wasn't relevant to my field anymore. So it couldn't be on my resume. That really hurt. <laughs> and so That's like, so dumb. <laughs> from like then on, I was like, how can I make, you know, how can I make this work? You graduated from school mm-hmm. last year. So where, uh, let's just take it back a few, uh, a bit. I like to kind of start kind of in childhood to kind of see how you progress to becoming <laughs> like getting into fitness. I feel like oh, you want to go all for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a lot of people, I feel like they find fitness later in life. It had to have, something had to have sparked that interest at a younger age. So I always like to go back and start kind of like, where are you from? Did you grow up with siblings? What kind of sports you played? Okay. All that fun stuff. All right. So from the beginning, I've been into smart into sports my entire life. I have two sisters. We tried everything. So I've been on all different types of sports teams growing up. I played soccer, basketball, ballet, ice skating, like you name it. I've tried everything. I've just always been active. I played soccer. And then high school is when I got into track, track and field. And that was the sport that kind of stuck with me because I was good at it. Like all the other sports, I kind of was just kind of feeling it out, figuring it out. And I wasn't really like adding to the team. Like I was just kind of there. <laughs> and then when I ran, like I was like, oh, this is like, I'm good at this. So I've been running ever since. I run weekly now and it's something that I look forward to and it keeps me, you know, active is is running and, and staying consistent with that. So you have two sisters. What Where do you fall within that? So I am the middle child. I have an older sister. I would have guessed that. I could have guessed that. <laughs> I have an older sister and a younger sister and we're actually nine months apart. So I'm nine months from my older sister and nine months from my younger sister. That is nuts. <laughs> we are very, very close. Yeah. And a lot of times growing up, me and my younger sister, would we would be on the same sports scenes together. So you played sports all your life. Obviously, you have three. It's three, three twins, essentially. <laughs> yes. Very competitive, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and you found track in high school. What, uh, what, what, uh, Events did you run in track or, yeah, or throw or? Yeah, so I ran cross. So actually in high school, I tried out for cross country and I went to the preseason. And I remember I came back the next day to my to home after practice and cried and like begged my parents. to Like, I was like, please, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I usually had never like they always wanted us to be like involved in sports and everything or just in extracurricular extracurricular activities. So when I came home and wanted to quit, like. It was a big deal and I actually didn't, so I wasn't running cross in until college and for, I joined the track team and that was something that I felt was like, you know, more me so I could do the sprints. So I was running like the 200, 100, 400, 800 cross started as something that I didn't really like. And now I'm running, you know, 5k plus. So I also ran track and I also hated cross country yeah. and I also now run distance. <laughs> yeah. But so I guess think back to why, do you know why you might've hated tra- uh, cross country back then? It was just really hard. It was really, it's a, it's a very mental sport. So if you're not in shape and you have yeah. to go and run even a mile, it's very challenging for the body and it's not super rewarding because it, it's challenging you. So like even so when I, you know, went to that first practice and I was in the back or I was slow or I felt really challenged. And then it also wasn't like, it's not like I was playing a game. 
I didn't like it. I wanted to quit and I did quit. Track is a little different than cross country. Like the there's a lot of different options as far as distance. So you can kind of find you can do a 100 meter and it's over in, you know, hopefully like 13 seconds or less. So that was something that I was like, oh, okay, like I can do this. And even if I'm not good, it's, you know, it's not long and it's something I can work on. So I, I the reason why I didn't run cross country um, was because I didn't, I didn't know anything about cross country. And then there were no black people in cross country. There was already no, no black people in my high school. So like, we either played football and then I, I played soccer and people were like, you're playing soccer. Mm-hmm. There were no black people that ran cross country. So yeah, were, were you? Did, yeah, there was, I think it might've been like only me and one other, maybe there was a, another girl now that I'm thinking, but it was definitely not diverse as far as who was on the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much that plays into like, not your, like your subconscious, right? Yeah. Like you, you look around, you don't see the support. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a thing, right? Like track and field, people of color. Yeah. Long distance so running. Sprinters were, you know, looked like me, and the distance runners did not. Yeah. So you ran through high school. Mm-hmm. Were you really good at track in high school? To this day, I consider myself just an average runner. I worked really hard. So, like at regular meets, you know, I would contribute to the team points. As far as like championships, I would make it on a relay, but like individually. I was not, I wouldn't consider myself like a star athlete, but I was dedicated. And so, and I worked hard. And so I would usually earn a spot on the relay. Being a part of that was significant because, you know, you have to be selected and it's usually the four fastest on the team. So I was good enough for that, but I wouldn't consider myself like, (laughs) you know, I'm just very passionate and I work hard. Yeah. Mm. What, uh, where'd you go to school? Um, Lincoln university. It's an HBCU in Pennsylvania. Initially, I went to Lincoln. Um, one of my main reasons was because of the track program there. Um, I walked on the team. I got a spot on the team. Um, and I initially went to Lincoln because the coach at that time was also um, coached my dad many years ago in cross country. So Ah, so you have a running background, a family running background. <laughs> Every year for cross country in college, I got better. Like it was something that it was like a love-hate relationship for me. Initially, I didn't really like like the long-distance miles, but it was really rewarding seeing my progress. Cross-country did play a big part in how I did on the track. And so I started seeing a, a direct correlation to like my 400 time, which I really cared about. Cross-country, I didn't. But I saw when I worked hard during the cross-country season, it played into how I did in, in track and field. And so I started really appreciating being on the cross-country team. So I ended up, it was a great relationship in college because I was already ahead of the game going into each season. The way you talk about it makes me miss like collegiate sports. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't play or run in college. I should have, um, but I miss just like competitive running. I miss it too. <laughs> now I do. Talking about it makes me miss it. I was really sad. Like after, when I graduated, I remember my last meet and my last, so I started running the 800 meter, um, my the end of my junior year and that's when I really found like the the race for me initially I was like doing 400 and I had like the 400 you really do need a lot of speed it's a sprint and because I didn't have like I wasn't like I was I considered myself a mid-distance runner I wasn't as good as I was in the 800 but I didn't realize that until the end of my career so literally every time I stepped on the track um, my junior senior year I I PR'd. That's a personal record. 
I was really loving, like, you know, running the aches. I was like, I found my race. This is great. And my last meet um, in college was a twilight meet at Maryland University. I PR'd and then it was like, okay, the season, it kind of ended there. Like, and that was really hard for me because I was progressing personally in the race. And um, then I graduated. So it was kind of like, what's next? I didn't have the, the team anymore. I didn't have like the motivation that I had initially. And to kind of see like that, that wasn't all I had. Like I knew I could do better because I was consistently progressing. It was hard. For a while, I wasn't really running. And then I found, let's see, I found like a triathlon team at a gym I was working at and I would just run with them. So that's what I did. I was just finding like groups that I could run with to kind of keep me, keep me going and, and not let like that part of me stop with collegiate track and field. Yeah, no, I can imagine. That's why I asked you because like you were so year round and then it just for the sport with a team with the camaraderie right and then all of a sudden just stops so i know um we had a previous episode with a guest who ran track at harvard same thing with her being in sport her whole life and then all of a sudden not being led her to it's a, create hard, her own it's platform. a really hard transition and i think something that helped me was so after i graduated i still wasn't really sure what i wanted to do but my first job i worked in a fitness facility so and it wasn't a good like you didn't need a college degree for the job I got. <laughs> like, and so I was not excited about that. Like the pay wasn't great, but I was in, I was where I wanted to be. Like I wanted to be in fitness and wellness. And so I took a job that was paying me less just to kind of be there and like keep that part of me, you know, fueled. And that was the best decision I made because that was the first step into getting where I am today. That was the first step. And also keeping my you know, myself into fitness because I worked essentially at a gym. It was a fitness complex. So they had a gym, they had a track, they had a basketball court, and I, my membership was free. So I had no <laughs> excuse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So they, they didn't pay you much, but they gave you a free membership. You spent all day there anyway. Yeah. So I was there all day. <laughs> so school, the school was in Pennsylvania. When, where was the gym after you graduated? You I went back home to Connecticut where I grew up. And that was in Stanford, Connecticut. Okay. And then how long were you in Stanford uh, before you moved to New York? And how long before you got into like, maybe, I don't know, did you go back to school to become an occupational therapist? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what how, what were the years there? How long so did that take? I worked for two years in Connecticut after I graduated from Lincoln. At my first year back home, I was unsure, you know, what I really wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to be in fitness and wellness. So in those two years of working, I did some research. I ended up shadowing an occupational therapist. And that's when I decided that, you know, occupational therapy was right for me. And so then I, you know, I took some prereqs, some prereq classes, went from there and then I applied. And that's when I moved to Brooklyn. So school is what brought me to New York. Do you know any uh, OTs prior to you? I think my I guess what mentioned OT to me. She's like, you should look into this. And so we had a family friend who was practicing and I reached out to her and I got to shadow her. And so that's what kind of made the the connection for me was this is what I can see myself doing. So you know what I did? I started volunteer. I volunteered. It was my first year back home in Connecticut. And I volunteered at Stanford Hospital and their mm -hmm. rehab clinic. And that's when I started getting the idea that this is what I wanted to do. So I shadowed therapists there as a volunteer. And then I also shadowed a friend, a family friend who was an occupational therapist. 
And at the same time, I was taking the prereq courses so I could apply. So this is when I, in a two-year span of after um, my undergraduate degree. And then yeah, you applied to school and you got in and you're in New York. Mm -hmm. How far into the program did you start to do your personal training work? Personal training, I started when I was in Connecticut, right after undergrad. So when I went home, I started working in the gym. I also started studying for my personal training certification. As I was doing that, I was also interested in, you know, the occupational therapy, but personal training. And I'm so glad that I did it was something that I used to kind of get me through school. Um, it helped me financially. And I, so I always had a job while I was in school. I was um, personal training or teaching group fitness or having my own boot camp classes. And so that's how I kind of got through school and helped me get through school. And also I came into school with a knowledge of anatomy. And so I was a step ahead in that area as well, because personal training, like you need to know the body. It's not as in depth that I needed to know for OT, but definitely there's a lot of hand in hand and connection. Where were you finding clients? How were you doing group? Were you working in a studio? Did you just know people? Talk me through that. So I would I actually like posted flyers in my apartment building. And that was where I got the majority of my clients. I never had a lot because I was a full-time student. So I couldn't have a full schedule of clients. It was too much because I also had to study. So for personal training, I would have about two or three clients. I think two were from my building or um, one was a friend would rec friends would recommend people to me or I would train friends. I would have about 10 people come and I would do an hour class. And so you would just post those. You would just post the uh, Instagram flyers. or like Facebook word of mouth. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. I was also trying to teach group fitness in New York while I was in school. And that was something that was really hard that I wasn't, I, I didn't know that was going to be a hard thing, but there's so many, like New York is very big in fitness and group fitness. So it was very hard to come and try and get a class in, in popular gyms because it's very saturated. So I worked for a popular gym, Equinox, for about a year, I would say a year. It was very hard to be successful there because I wasn't able to dedicate my full time to them. And that's usually the case with fitness here in New York. They want you to be there at the gyms like all the time. So that was really hard and challenging to maintain a presence in the fitness world while balancing like studying and being a full time student. So in hindsight, like that was that was very hard and um, it did impact like how I did as a student and it also impacted I was at, you know, personal training or it was like, I was trying to be the jack of all trades and you can't really do that. So it was, it was very challenging. I know Equinox has like this vibe and feel of like, like, you know, cut above the, the rest, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's an expensive gym to be in. And so their expectations of a trainer and the way that they talk to people in my experience has been that it hasn't been like the most friendly space. Was that your case? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a really good question. <laughs> I'm just going to say like, yes, like the reputation, they have a reputation, but also they are, they're good at what they do. And one thing that I do appreciate and will say was positive about Equinox is how they train their personal trainers. So we were required to take educational classes on anatomy and um, personal training, communication. They very much so educate and train their personal trainers. So they're not like, I already had a NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine certificate. 
going in and they're like, no, you need, you're also going to go through this training with us. I did appreciate that because I love to learn and I just always wanted to be like well-prepared to serve my clients. And that's why I appreciate Equinox. Like that part was great. But as far as the, they wanted a big commitment from me, but they weren't trying to pay, you know, for my time. They're like, oh, we want you in the gym from this time, this time. Like you have to be present, but you know, they're only paying for you. They're only paying for this amount of time. So that part was hard, but I did appreciate the training that goes into being a personal training there. I feel like you're you're being very uh very nice, <laughs> and you don't want to say anything bad, which is cool. Yeah, you went through school mm-hmm. and then graduated, mm-hmm. working full time. How are you balancing? Are you so? I'm guessing you're still personal training. So right now, I'm not. I don't have any personal training clients. Okay, yeah, COVID. I guess from that. Not even because of, during when COVID first happened, I was doing virtual sessions. But right now, like I've made my focus occupational therapy and that's because I'm a new clinician and it's my first Mm -hmm. year practicing. And I decided I really wanted to dedicate this year to that because this is, this is my passion. Fitness is too, but I want to make sure that, you know, I'm the best therapist I can be and it needed my focus. And I also want to get experience in my new field. So I work in a few different settings right now. And so I really don't have a lot of time to personal train, but I am working on, you know, bringing that back next year once I'm a year in here. You seem like someone who puts their head down and knows what to do and just goes for it. And so I'm more more so trial and error because I was, this conversation really caused me to reflect on like going through that program of school and then also trying to be involved in fitness and it made me think about how I was trying to personal train while being a full-time student and it didn't work. But what I found worked was group fitness, personal training. You're required to be in gym, like in order to be a, a successful personal trainer, people need to see your face in the gym because it's a lot of it is popularity or like, if they see your face, they're going to want to train. Mm-hmm. If they see you working out. They're going to want to train with you. So you have to be there with group fitness. Once I got into that, I had a class once a week. I would go in, teach my class. Everybody comes to that class. I'm there for an hour and then I can leave. And then I have my gym membership still. So I figured out that was the the key to staying involved in the fitness industry while maintaining a full-time school schedule. That was like the hack. Cause I, I was like, I have this personal training cert. I can't be here through the day in the gym to maintain a clientele. So I was like, how am I going to do this? How can I stay involved? Group fitness was the perfect way. Where where did you group fitness teach? Uh, I taught group fitness at Chelsea Pierce Brooklyn. I left Equinox. I started at Chelsea Pierce Brooklyn. And up until COVID, I was teaching in class once a week, even after school, 7.30. That was my thing. So when COVID um, kind of shut everything down, I was uh, really upset about that. And I haven't been, I haven't been to the gym since. You said Chelsea Pierce Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. Is that just a regular, just a gym? So they have a few locations. So Chelsea Pierce, that was my first job in Stanford, Connecticut after I graduated. Oh, dope. So okay. they have several locations. It's a big sports complex. It initially started in Manhattan. So they opened in Manhattan location. Um, then they opened the Stanford location. And then they opened the Brooklyn location. 
Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. So you kind of had you kind of had like a, a an experience and a background with them. them. Yeah, so that's how I got my job in Brooklyn because I knew my former boss actually reached out and told me they were opening the Brooklyn location and asked if I wanted a job. So when did you start pulling up on the light post with the bike between your legs? Because that was super impressive. <laughs> that's so funny. So you know, face. I love Facebook because it you know you know how you log on and like oh remember this seven years ago. So I think it was like it showed me a memory from five years ago and I'm in Chelsea Pierce, Stanford, and I'm doing one pull up and I have this video posted on my Facebook and it was just one and it was, it was really hard. And I remember like, that's all I was doing. I was trying to do one. And then now I'm like, you know, doing 12 or I'm strapping weight to my body. So I've been doing it for a long, long time. And so when the gyms closed down, I had to get creative and I started using like the light poles or the, uh, any any pull I see that has the enough space to do it, like I'll do my pull-ups. And it, it keeps me consistent because if I when I stop, I'll regress. That's what kind of keeps me focused on trying to get them in because you never want to start back at one, you know? So it's like if I don't do them consistently, I'm not going to be able to do them. Do you have a crew of folks that you go out biking with? It seems like you do biking, you do running. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. When I look at your Instagram, it looks like, yeah. Just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have a crew. It's just like super, super dope and intriguing. And like, yo, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Yeah. I want to be down kind of feel. Yeah. So I really, I love to stay active. I did join actually when, when in the beginning of COVID, I, when the gym shut down, I wasn't really working out anymore because I would always be in the gym. That was my routine. I was teaching group fitness like on virtually during COVID, mm-hmm. but personally, like I wasn't into the virtual workouts. So I was definitely not staying consistent, but I did join a bike club in June. And so that's been like what I do for physical activity right now. I run with a bike club. I mean, I run with a run club and I bike with a bike club. Uh, when did you start uh, running and what run club What run club do you run with? I run with Rage and Release Run Club. It's here in Brooklyn. I've been running with them for a year. So before COVID, I was running with them consistently. Yeah, just I started running with them last October. So it'll be, it's been about a year that I've ran with um, Rage and Release. It looks super cool. And I can't tell exactly what it is. It seems like a fitness, but also cannabis related kind of like group. Yeah. (laughs) So can you tell me, tell me a little bit? I definitely want to learn more about it. I'm I'm heavy in the running scene, but I I honestly hadn't heard of them before. Yeah. So Rage and Release, um, it was Ty, he's the coach and founder. And it's a cannabis-friendly run club. It's very holistic, so not just cannabis, but um, Ty is also is always talking about or promoting different like natural products that you know assist in recovery um, after your runs or before your runs. So it's it's been really great. I personally don't use um, any products, but I've heard that they are very beneficial. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool. That's <laughs> just, it's just, it's just like, that's when I think of New York, that's what I think. It's, like just you can find anything. Like, yeah. Seriously. Like shit that's <laughs> out of the box. Mm-hmm. So when you got, when you started, is that who you started running distance with? That's what I started running distance with because before rage and release, I would, I was running on my own, but I would go out and run a mile and be like, okay, like I did it. That's it. One mile. I can literally look at my Nike app and see when I started running with Rage and Release because then it goes from like one mile to like 
three miles to four, and I'm running six, seven miles only because of rage and release. Yeah, running, running communities are awesome. I think we have, I think we previously met at a running event oh, um, yes. in mm-hmm. Boston. Yeah. Now that we're in COVID, and so you're part of the bike club, you're part of the run club, you're working, you're finding um, like solace, and you found your space even during COVID, mm-hmm. and you're staying busy. Yes. I haven't been in the gym since. When was that? When did it shut down? March. So for someone who's that into the gym and then. I haven't been back since. I've been enjoying cycling and running and that's been keeping me fit. So what are your, uh, what are your plans for the next, I guess, two years? Like now that you're not thinking about the gym Mm -hmm. and you're, you're focusing on being an OT. Yes. Like, what are you like? What are your plans for like the next, let's say, two to three years? So, my plan so, you know, I told you how like I've been focusing on therapy right now and haven't really been able to focus on personal training. But I do have a project I'm working on. I've been working on a way to kind of combine my two passions of OT and fitness and wellness. Basically, launch like a fitness coaching program for people to establish healthy fitness goals and maintain a healthy lifestyle. So a lot of times people will, you know, start out on a program or join the gym in January, maybe maintain that for like a month and then they kind of drop off. I've been in fitness for very long. I've seen the, yeah, I see what happens. People usually start and then they, they end because they didn't make an attainable goal or, or an injury or they don't know where to start or whatever their reason may be. Like I want to be able to, provide them the tools that they need to establish and maintain a healthy fitness-based lifestyle. So whatever that means to them, whatever is preventing staying consistent, that's what I want my job to be. So it's not really going to focus on, you know, squatting 200 pounds. Like that's not what the program is going to be about. It's going to be about maintaining that program and making sure that it's healthy. So it kind of combines what I do with my clients in occupational therapy and also with personal training. So it's a little more cognition based because I'm focusing on that aspect and hoping to form habits like healthy habits. So um, my clients will be able to maintain a long, healthy lifestyle rather than, you know, a short bout of trying to stay active or, or lose 20 pounds. Like these things are not things that you can keep up realistically for long. So no new year, new me, summer ball. No, same you, like all year <laughs> round, lifestyle. <laughs> That's dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how soon do you think we'll be able to hear more about that? Coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Coming soon is cool. Yeah, fit there. Well, dope. Mm-hmm. Therapeutic. Fit. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So, so, one more time. Say it again. Therapeutic fitness. That's why I'm the fit therapist. <laughs> Dope. I love it. I I, I think uh, the fit therapist is such is so catchy. Um, so I think you got something going on there. Uh, cool. Well, dope to to hear your story and see how dedicated and passionate you are about the body, the human body, and and how you continue to move forward. Yeah, it's great having you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for being with me. <laughs> Where can folks find you on the internet if they're looking to follow you? You guys can follow me at Shabang Bang. That's S-H-A underscore bang, 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 bang. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a quick review. 
This helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. That wraps up today's show. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode.